what I do during the week is basically draw diagrams, uh, which is what I like doing. It's just they're not the diagrams I want to draw. That's basically the only thing yep. they're not is yep. exactly what I want to do. But the mm -hmm. form is identical. Like if I could do what I'm doing right now, doing something I want to do, that would be perfect. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, so. And, and that's one of the reasons why I bring this up with you, like bring up the opportunity to go somewhere else because those other places that you could potentially go could be more in line with what you want to do. Maybe. Maybe. Like in theory. I was going to ask, what, what does that set of things contain? That's a great goddamn question. <laughs> and to answer it, we have uh, Matt here. Hi, Matt. Hi, Digi. You, you believe you found one of these. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, this is the reason why I was like kind of interested, Andy, in, in discussing like what's what's going on at your company. And, mm -hmm. and one of the reasons why when, when David asked, like, hey, Matt, is there a third person that you'd like to, uh, to have on this conversation? You came to mind. Because like during conversations, like career-y conversations, mm -hmm. it seems like you're also one of these people that's like kind of found found a little bit of that treasure there like like there there are good things about careers there are bad things about them and there are ways to like get it wrong mm -hmm. and like like i just remembered like when david asked that question like oh yeah andy seems to like have figured some of this stuff out i'm not i'm not accusing you of having it all figured out so don't <laughs> thank worry you about because that. that would be yeah. false yeah 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 but and how dare you yeah, yeah. but you yeah, know i i mean i I do not not like my job. Mm -hmm. um, there are obviously things about it that I find irritating. Um, but fundamentally, the work that I'm doing is engaging enough yep. that that I'm happy to do it. Yeah, and, and that was not really the case for my career. Um, yeah. So, and that's that's why I like bounced around to four different jobs within something like five years mm -hmm. and had a sabbatical in the middle of my actuarial career. It's like I... I was trying to make it work. I was trying to find engagement. Sometimes I could actually find it. Mm -hmm. Like it was, it was not impossible. But a lot of the time, I, I I confused my career as an actuary for the one just beneath it or above it alphabetically on the list, which was actor. Hmm. Right. So sometimes I I forgot like, oh yeah, I'm not an actor. I'm an actuary. Wait, what am I again? Acting as an actuary? So, what I'm confused. Uh huh. And that was basically how everything went there. It's like. I was, and, and it was kind of shameful when I was doing it too, because it's like, all right, here's my function. I'm pretending to be an actuary, and like I'm, I'm doing this job that. But, to, so to your point about, um, about feeling a little bit of shame yeah. as far as that was concerned, I experienced this in grad school, um, and it took me a long long time to to sort through like my emotions uh about this i just for for a long time i just knew that something was off and thought that maybe if i were less lazy of a person uh things might be better yeah. or, or i might be happier or something like that but it turns out i just didn't give a shit <laughs> about about what i was doing um i i like building weird systems um I don't care about science. I, okay. I care about science here. Mm -hmm. And I like building the systems that enable these things. 
but there's this whole gap of work that needs to take place to, to take these things to this place. Yeah, and someone else needs and to do that. And someone else needs to do that shit because <laughs> I do not care about it. Yeah, well, and I have found no motivation from it at any point in my life. And it took me forever to realize that. Okay. Well, yeah, like in, in the enterprise of a research lab at a school or in a company or something like that, it's like <laughs> we all have our own functions, right? So you can build some systems or, David, you can draw some diagrams and then like other people do other relevant work. And it's like, okay, we're, we're this big team or at least the idea is that we're this big team and then something comes together as a result. So in other words, you, Andy, don't have to do everything and that's fine. In grad school, you do. Which was, okay, the, which okay. was the problem, uh, right? I, I see. So yeah. you, you're talking about like when writing a thesis, a foreign concept to me, but like I've heard that it's like one of the one of the differences between like an undergrad and even just just a master's degree and then going to get the PhD is it is all on you mm -hmm. at that point. If so there like, is something that isn't happening, yes, you get to be the one that makes it happen, uh -huh. even if it's not something that you particularly care to do. Yeah. And yep. the unfortunate part was I didn't care about the results of what I was doing in any way. Okay. I just cared about building the stuff that might enable getting those results. Uh, I see. Okay. And I so, see the problem. Yeah. And so there was just no, you know, there was no mission connection in my head where it was like, I am working on this thing for a purpose. Uh -huh. The purpose was fulfilled as soon as I finished building the thing. And then I just didn't care about it anymore. I see. Um, yeah. And, and, and that's, that's how we got onto this subject is because I brought up this, this feeling that I had at my jobs, which was the keyword that we used was one of shame. Mm -hmm. It was this like shame of like, oh, I, I feel like I'm, and I'll bring this back, focus it back on me for a second, which Please was do. like, which was, all right, I feel like the work that I'm doing is kind of meaningless. Mm -hmm. So let me just, let me go through the motions and like let me act as an actuary rather than be a good actuary and like actually care about what I'm doing right now because it's all just kind of meaningless anyway and especially especially when considering that the world is going to like start like being ripped apart by slaughter bots and other bad applications of artificial intelligence over the next couple of you know decades or years um, so they like, eat carbon now. Know, uh, okay, they eat carbon now. Tell us more about that. Is grass involved? I didn't do... A, so I, I was going to go one of two routes yes. for this conversation. I was either going to actually prepare, which just simply fell through, yes. or I was going to Larry King this, because <laughs> uh, I have like some degree of familiarity with machine learning from back when I studied it, but that is... That's essentially all gone. Yeah. I have nothing. K-series, the, that may be the right letter. Um, <laughs> other than that, it's basically anything Ars Technica prints is all I know about artificial intelligence. So okay. I'm definitely going in Larry King style for this interview. All right. Well, uh, what a coincidence because I am too. You're going to, Larry King, I guess, is the guy that asks a bunch of questions. So you're going to ask me questions and then I'm going to be like, hmm, well, that's, that's an interesting thought. And then s sort of try and deflect it because I don't really know so much about like what I'm talking about here either. All right. So l let me let me elaborate. I watched one one video where a guy is like trying a guy. Robert Miles is trying to address the question. A guy. A guy yes. 
trying to address the question, what are you so scared about with this whole like artificial intelligence thing that's coming coming down? And then he's like, all right, well, listen, I don't know specifically how it's going to mess with us, how, how things could go wrong here. But I, I know I have this nebulous thought, says he, that things could go wrong here. And that's sort of what I feel too. It's like, we don't know exactly how, like this is gonna, how artificial intelligence could take the world apart. But instead of answering the question specifically, I look to things like, you know, the relationship that ants have to chimpanzees and that chimps have with humans, right? It's like, all right, there are different like levels of evolution that have happened for life on earth, right? And man, I'm really good when I want to be at killing ants. Like I can step on ants all day. I can use poison to kill ants, right? Or I can use like a flamethrower. Like I can be very creative in how I like destroy ants. Um, and you know, chimps could probably do the same thing versus ants too. They they probably like use sticks more than flamethrowers, but like they can get the job done too. And what I'm what I'm worried about is like kind of the continuation of that sort of thing, right? Um, David, you're smirking right what? now. Uh, please, please, please tell me why. In a vacuum, um, out of context, the idea of the chimpanzees being ungratefully tyrannical over the ants that built them. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it's, there's there's a part of this analogy that gets a little that gets a little strained. It doesn't hurt the it doesn't hurt the point, but it is an entertaining part of the analogy that breaks down like saying oh the, the chimps the chimps have made it their mission to eradicate the ants on earth well and it, now it, well no specifically that the ants d did a chimp project that gradually built a more powerful chimp <laughs> until it overtook <laughs> until it overtook isn't that, isn't that how evolution works <laughs> yeah. i mean <laughs> yeah, yeah 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 i can be a little bit more specific so like like instead of trying to dance around the question or the implied question of like, hey, Matt, so what are you so worried about here? Um, like, I watched a movie or at least like a short film, something like three or four years ago called Slaughterbots. And it, it was this, um, it was a warning, I think from, okay, I don't need to keep dropping names, right? I you said, can... I, from a guy. A guy? There was a warning right, from good. a guy, all right? A different guy. There was a different guy this time. And the here here it is. Here's the setup. You got drones. You got face recognition, and you got bullets. Here's the thought: put them all together, and like make the drones really small, and then drop them out of like the back of a truck. And then you got millions of these things, right? So point is like, and and when you combine this with the idea that there's like there's evil in the world, or at least if not evil, there's like <laughs> there are people that dislike other people. Probably you just call that evil. Okay. Um, in other words, like part of my concern here, or one of one of the concerns, or one of the like ways that all this tech tech stuff could go wrong is you have cheap weapons. That's just one way, and that's scary. And I'm like, oh, I want to do something about that. I want to feel like this sense of uh, meaning in my career to combat what I was talking about before, which is like career that I felt like uh, career that I was in before felt like I was just acting all the time. Don't want to do that. Okay, what else could I do with my life? Um, well, there's this other scary thing. Like maybe I could go and try and work on that. So like 
yeah, that's that's where I am these days. Looking into the burgeoning field of AI safety. Yeah, that's that's the idea. I think it's a it's an interesting problem. Um, I don't want to I don't want to jump ahead in the in the conversation too much, um, but I have also had some exposure to. I guess the the AI safety dialogue that goes on in in certain parts of the internet, uh, and occasionally in actual real life, but I I have always wondered, you know, these these bad actors, right? Um, people trying to trying to make sure that we design our AIs in a way that you know prevents the AIs themselves from from doing all of this damage but the I, I feel like humanity itself has always been just as big of a threat in that sense because even if you know how to design a safe ai what if you what if you just want to kill people man mm -hmm. wouldn't you just design an unsafe ai yeah instead of putting all of those guardrails on it so i don't know i'm i'm interested to hear your thoughts on on that as well because i, I guess i've always wondered like Is this a is this an intelligence problem in the sense not in the in the um, you know thinking sense but in like the the uh, uh, FBI and CIA sense where it's like do you do you try to forestall the possibility of anyone getting access to the technology that could do this how do you how do you even begin to think about that sort of safety yeah you're gonna say something David oh I was just gonna throw my hat in the ring about where my concerns around this come in. Um, I think AI, Stephen Hawking, um, I believe he's RIP at this point, I, I don't true. remember, um, it mentioned at some point, he said something that feels really profound, but when I sat on it for a while, actually isn't because it's untrue, um, about the idea that AI was going to allow us to create weapons that we don't even understand how they work. Um, and this is a complete misunderstanding of how the real, like, it, Stephen Hawking lives in the world of physics at a scale that is impractical. And the second you have to make these things work in a physical reality, they break down, case in point. Uh, Boston Dynamics has been a company for an awfully long time. <laughs> and that dog is not any smarter than it was 10 years ago. Um, Stable Diffusion is a program that basically like just got farted out of nowhere as far as like timeline of R&D is concerned. Mm -hmm. And the reason why it's so effective at what it does is A, because it steals everything, but B, uh, it's online. It lives in a digital space. Yeah. I, am I am almost exclusively concerned about artificial intelligence impact on our ability to use digital space. Yeah, oh yeah. And yeah. that I is like, I'm, I'm almost like a Luddite here mm -hmm. where I, be I believe the evolution of artificial intelligence is going to make the internet even less useful than it already is becoming. And I believe yeah. the vast majority of what is causing the internet to degrade is the fact that computers are, are you are uh, managing it more actively than yeah. people are. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know that that's squareable because yep. it's so easy. Because Matt, like, sure, you could have a drone, you know, an inexpensive drone that fires a bullet that identifies. That shit all costs money. Yeah. <laughs> and having one person, unless they are a malevolent billionaire, and even if they are a malevolent billionaire, it's, it is still hard to accomplish that. And we know that because there's got to be at least... Let's round it off. Let's say there's a thousand truly evil people out there that just want to kill everybody. Yes. This has happened, as far as I'm aware, 
zero times. Mm. Which means it must be fucking hard to do. Yeah. Like, yeah. by contrast, um, I get 15 spam calls a day. Mm-hmm. That's, and this, that's scalable. And, this, and that's digital. That's obscenely scalable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, so so the example that I came up with, the slaughterbots thing, was the thing that, like, was one of the couple of things that got me onto this topic in the first place. But I, like you, David, am not really too concerned about the physical manifestation of this stuff, like the Boston Dynamics dog and even the slaughterbots, although slaughterbots are, like, kind of still scary. But... Um, so I don't <laughs> just crowbar them, man. You could just crowbar, yeah. Oh yeah. yeah, no. I mean, if you're one specific person that mm. one other specific person hates, that's that's ha- going to get happening. worse. Yeah, that's exactly going to get right. worse. But if you're if you're anybody else, I don't. Mm. It's not. I don't think it's going to be a problem. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, so so kind of kind of relating this to what you were talking about, Andy. Andy it's like the, whatever technologies we build don't necessarily need to be used for harm but probably they will be like mm-hmm. swords like someone thinks that they're on the right side of a sword but like you can just do do bad things with swords right nuclear energy and then weapons like okay it's probably just bad bad news all around like you can blow up cities now like okay that's that's bad i'm i'm going back into this physical stuff but it doesn't necessarily the threats from artificial intelligence or just like you know technology in general aren't necessarily physical like like you're alluding to right now david so i i've successfully been able to like not go on twitter so much although i did just check like i went back on twitter a couple days ago and david i saw i saw a tweet from you that put like your point very well it's like this website is awesome it's like a worldwide Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi enabled, enabled brain, brain microwave. microwave. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. And which just for, I, just for context, it was a screenshot of someone um, pleading with George the cat, uh, which is the uh, the labor the pro labor uh, cat account for George, uh, who made an ableist comment about someone who confronted their Instacart. Uh, it, like their Instacart, whatever they're not employees. Dave, they're, you haven't um, even needed that person. website. Con- out my brain, con- contractor, <laughs> and it was someone. It was someone replying to George the Cat saying, "George, I beg you to reconsider." <laughs> like, it's just a, a beautiful, a beautiful example of how bad this stuff is clearly for humanity. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's that's my point. So I'm I'm not necessarily worried specifically about artificial intelligence as like a thing let me rephrase that it's ai slash agi seems to be like the next order of magnitude up of the these kinds of like brain microwave like things right so we already have problems i mean andy you said this earlier too it's like What did you say? This is not a tweet. This is literally something you said. I can feel myself aging in real time. Oh yeah, <laughs> something like that. And that's 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 the sense that the I have. Accidental shower thought. It's the accidental shower thought. Yeah, but there's there's some validity to it. I think that that you put your finger on something that everybody is kind of feeling right now. It's like something's just not quite right. Mm-hmm. We've got this, and we've got like worldwide. Wi-Fi enabled brain microwaves to help with this kind of thing too, mm-hmm. and I see this problem, uh, w- which is which also manifests as like fifteen spam calls per day. 
we we can't even imagine exactly where this is going but well we can imagine it but then my fear is that these intelligent systems will be like oh you thought you had a good imagination huh mm. check this out and then we get something like the like double brain microwave yeah, we get the double <laughs> oh, we just shit. get two of them yeah yeah in yeah directions. no but but yeah some some completely unimaginable thing today which much of our technology would have been to people 30 years ago yeah yeah and that's so. that's that's the other thing or like the the chimps to the ants mm -hmm. right it's like oh whoa that's crazy so i i thinking about this a little bit and especially on the line of like wi-fi enabled brain melters right so it, it, let's let's think about ai enabled wi-fi enabled oops brain yeah, melters yeah. um I, I almost feel like the answer there is possibly sociological rather than technological mm. in the sense that you both recognize that Twitter melts people's brains, but people didn't recognize that when Twitter came out. Yeah. So here's, here's, the, here's the shape of this thought, which is completely empty other than this structure because I've just had it. Is there, is there some sort of sociological immunity that could be possibly built up to, you know, these, these sort of um, AI apocalypse communication methods that, that just get progressively stupider and stupider in the sense that people see them for what they are more easily because they have been exposed to enough bullshit that they know the bullshit when they see it? No, B by default, I think not. Mm, um, absolutely not. Yeah, mm. and, and the the reason I would say I would say not is because like whatever systems we're building are like, hey, that's a convenient thing, like that, or that's making my life better at least mm -hmm. at at first glance. Like for instance, um, the, two things come to mind: like Microsoft Teams, like quick access to your coworkers, Three? like ding, ding, ding. It's like. That's the chat sound coming in. You just had three chats, ding three times. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so you're it's very like, popular. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah. And it's like, oh, I was trying to think about something to like make me better at and like advance our mission as a team. And now you've IM'd me, and I can't think anymore. Another thing that comes to mind is like when using social media to come back to the social media thing. It's like this is how I stay in touch with people, right? Okay. Well, now to stay in touch with people, I've got to share pictures with them, and like I guess the idea now is that you have automatically airbrushing photos, right? So like, oh, I've got a little blemish on my face. I want to take care of that. Mm -hmm. I got, got some bags under my eyes. That doesn't look so good. So like, I'm just going to have that, like the computational photography, like automatically just get rid of that. Mm -hmm. And then I look at myself in the mirror and I hate myself a little bit more because it's like, oh man. I'm not that like, ideal version of myself. Yeah, that, exactly. And yeah. and like that's that's got to be a lot worse for women than it is for men. Too, for sure. Right? Yeah. So so like the the and this is just another one of those brain melting things. And yet it's like and the the reason that I came out with no like is there a social sociological immunity to like using these kinds of systems is because like what are you gonna do? Are you gonna opt out? You gonna not use this stuff? Like, come on, and and that's better. and that's that's me right now. Like, I I have largely opted out uh -huh. of a lot of this stuff. Yeah. But actually, that blows back on me in a different way because, like, now, 
um, by opting out, I like kind of distance myself from this boat that's like leaving, like the boat that is society. It's mm-hmm. like, all right, like I'm continuing on and like I'm staying back here. And it's like, okay, well, I could have chosen that evil, like to stay on that boat, or I can choose this one where like now I'm kind of like drifting backward mm-hmm. in a certain sense. So it's like, which one do you want? I want neither. But You've got to choose one. Anyway, David, why did you come out with a no? Oh, so my, fast? I have a much more cynical one, which is that people flatter themselves about their capacity to d- defend their minds from intrusion. I mean, there's a reason the That's ad fair. industry is so powerful, and there's a reason why they don't filter. Oh, this guy's got a IQ over 120. I guess we won't serve them any ads. <laughs> Ad, when you are needled in your brain and you see a thing or hear a thing, it impacts the way you behave. Um, And even though I am on Twitter, I'm on Twitter for exactly two reasons. Uh, Furry softcore pornography and watching people melt their brains. I'm thinking about that. Porque no los dos. I'm I'm thinking about, (laughs) I'm thinking about that 50% of the time I'm on the website. And I still catch myself occasionally getting mad for no obvious Uh reason because the site is built to annoy you. Yep. (laughs) Like I can't. I, I have, you know, I have, I'm very present, I'm very present while I'm using the website and I know that that's happening, but it still gets me yeah, sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Like, unless you train on it specifically, I mean, this, this is one of those things that uh, it's Lucy in the football when it comes to technology. Everybody thought that Gen Z was going to be, you know, they, they were going to be the supercomputers because they grew up using phones. They're going to be great at programming and key. They have a slower typing speed than our generation does. <laughs> Because they use the fucking phone all the because time. Because they never had to do it the right way. No, well, and it is. They, they're not any better at programming. They're not better. Like, none of this stuff manifests because if you don't train it, it doesn't improve. That's uh-huh. right. Like, there are, there are certain domains where, you know, they are more natural at combating some certain, thir- uh, certain things. Um <laughs> They are better at the the concept of media training. Mm-hmm. Uh, people people that are younger than us are are much better on camera than we are, mm-hmm. generally speaking. Um, but that doesn't translate across the board, and it certainly doesn't translate to things such as susceptibility to advertisement coercion of any kind, because that stuff evolves, mm-hmm. and it is. Yeah. And one of the one of the things that came to mind, I don't want to drop um, when you mentioned Teams. Microsoft has an initiative to make their software uh, not as much of a complete... It, it, they're fine with it being a brain worm, but they don't want it to exhaust their employees. So they put in all kinds of little reminders and stuff. It's like, do you want to send this message tomorrow as opposed to sending it right now so it doesn't bug someone? Do you want to cut five minutes off of this meeting? Yeah, good. I, I don't know this for certain. I don't know the person who designed it. I'm going to bet an AI was not involved in the production of that feature hmm. because no one needs AI to come up with those features yet. Yes. At some point, AI might be able to, and you would sure think that a statistical model that just bangs its head around trying to find the ideal way would be able to come up with that. There's no way. There's. It, I'll bet there was almost no science involved in choosing five minutes. Hmm. I'll bet there was no science involved in choosing to just simply do it at night. Because it, it's literally, do you want to send this at 9 a.m. their time? There's no math in that at all. That's an if-then statement based mm-hmm. on their time zone. Um, AI is only used for specific purposes. 
And what's ironic about the AI safety thing is we're worried about an AI that is eventually be able, is going to be able to make like value judgments of some kind. It's only being developed to do specific things. It's being developed with a value system um, that is, you know, the old paperclip. Um, maximizer. Yeah, the paperclip yeah. maximizer. The AI is not thinking that far outside the box because it's just not being built to do it. Like no one, no one's building that into the AI unless something weird and exciting is happening on that I've not heard of. But I, I, the AI is very, very sparsely generalized. Generally, I mean, I, I think that's true now, but I don't know that there's any reason to believe that that will be true in the future. Yeah, and sure. Th and thinking outside the box is actually not really the problem. And I mean, the the issue with the paperclip maximizer thing is that it's not. It is that that particular AI system is so stupid that it's just going to maximize this like dumb goal like some some programmer gave an advanced ai system a dumb goal and then it goes and achieves it because it's like highly capable and yet still dumb and thinking inside the box uh, i'm skeptical also this this exact conversation this specific fear was around five years ago and the only ai i've ever seen get more generalized is the one that beats video games <laughs> Which again, digital. I mean, have you have you? Um, yeah, so. Yeah, yeah. So I am I am by no means an AI doomsayer. Um, but have you seen what GPT three can do? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I wouldn't say that it's generalized in task, but its ability to generate things outside of the scope that you know you you sort of narrowly hand it is at least somewhat impressive the bridge between that and and maximizing paper clips is i think much larger than than most of the hardcore ai safety community gives it credit for but there's not nothing in in the you know just add more parameters model it could be that you know okay maybe the way that the human brain works as far as value judgment is concerned is is special in the sense that it is a particular configuration of you know signal generators and signal processors that is necessary for for true consciousness to arise mm -hmm. but if you just have enough parameters eventually you can make a simulacra of that that is not you know it might not be conscious in the real sense but it will sure as hell mimic every you know, every possible response that a person can have. Yeah. Or Which is not, oh, sorry. Or if it's not more parameters in a neural network, then maybe it's like the next thing that we discover after the next like potential AI winter that could yeah, come. I'm, like 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 artificial intelligence started getting hyped in like the 1950s when mm -hmm. people were like you know first like the people at Dartmouth Surely were like solve yeah, these problems we just need a summer we need <laughs> not even 20 years like initially they were like oh we like t we need like 10 or 20 people at Dartmouth for like one summer we're gonna figure out a bunch of this stuff <laughs> and they found out it's like oh it's really <laughs> image hard image processing is hard yeah yeah and and, yeah. and and the reason I bring that up is because they were doing like just like basic punch card programs at first. Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, well, there was some promise there. It turns out that it's really hard. So then the next thing that they found after the first 
or second AI winter was like, oh, well, let's try this neural networks thing mm-hmm. because now we have the hardware that can do it. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's not enough and maybe there will be a similar thing where we go from symbolic AI, which is like programming on punch cards to like neural networks. It's like, okay, maybe that fails to like the next thing. But the yep. point is the next thing is probably out there. How far out there? Not sure. Yeah. 10 years, 20 years, 50 years. There are these different answers to that question. But there's, like, there's a huge amount of uncertainty as to what the current paradigm can do ultimately yeah, versus, yeah. you know, when will we require a paradigm shift to, to move forward? Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody has a good answer to that question. Yeah, from what I can tell, you're right. A lot of bad answers to that question. Yeah. I I mean, it. Andy, you, you started to finally... Uh, we. We broach the concept of consciousness here. And I do think there is a, a massive hole in a lot of these conversations around the relevance of consciousness, um, particularly when it comes to artistic expression. Um, I am on record hating the term art and the term artist. Because um, I think it, it's a lot of the reason why the AI conversation around mechanization is as annoying and tedious as it is, is this idea of, you know, can a can a computer generate art? And part of the reason I, I put 20 bucks in the machine, I had GPT-3 spit out a bunch of prompts because I was curious, you know, what the state of that kind of software is. And it really does still have a talking dog problem mm-hmm. where it's a lot of, and this this is actually something I kind of want to wrap around to because it is, um, it's, you know, the difference between a telic and an atelic experience between one where you're attempting to satisfy an objective as opposed to something that's intrinsically satisfying. Oh, telic as in telos. As, okay. in, te- as yeah, in teleology. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, and g- watching GPT-3 grind its gears and rapidly spit out, like, stories from prompts is, like, very satisfying um, in sort of an intrinsic way. But what it's generating is, in fact, just a combination of information that it has. And if it is generative, it's what it's generating is of no value. Mm-hmm. Like, it's just fucking spitting things out. Um, I would never, like, it, the only thing that it seemed to have some promise with, which I have admittedly not bothered to follow up on, um, is for, uh, combating first draft syndrome. Mm-hmm. Because the idea of just having words on the page to modify is really appealing. Except that, um, and I guess you maybe you could get around this by, you know, training it on my own words so that it's, you know, jumbling things that I would say. That's what I was thinking. It's like, yeah. how, do you, how do you think Brandon Sanderson does it? Yeah. Just doesn't AI generate every one of his books? But the, but the, problem, is we're, the problem is we're suddenly replicating the past again. And yeah. that's, that's, that's the thing that always, you know, it, it coincides with the consciousness thing. If the computer does accomplish the task of writing a book that is in some way great or provocative i don't i don't know why i'm supposed to care about that like it's just a tool and the, the, uh, the i tied in the the art conversation i'll try to keep this to five points in one sentence um one run on sentence everyone is uh scared of stable diffusion and open ai or not dolly there we go mm-hmm. that's its yeah. name um, stable diffusion and Dolly two are about the same thing. They're approximately the yeah. Same they thing. they do they do roughly the same thing. And everybody it's, it's the picture they yeah. are generating. Yeah, thing. yeah. And everyone's worried about you know how this is going to take artists' jobs. Photoshop took artists' jobs. Mm-hmm. Like that's uh, Photoshop is absolutely chock full of artificial intelligence. Like it's not the the fact that it doesn't generate the entire picture for you. The fact that you can't just type text in and it does like the thing. A, what Dolly and 
uh, stable diffusion can pull off without like significant sitting there banging your head against the keyboard trying to figure out the correct words. <laughs> um, that's time consuming, but also it's not personalized. And of course, it's basically just a stolen amalgam of other people's work. Um, so yeah. <laughs> like all, they're just extra tools. And the only, the only reason this is a problem is because um, I was thinking about this the other day <laughs> about how Native Americans used to think that um, uh, in the, uh, I assume apocryphal story, but maybe it's true. Maybe it's just racism that uh, <laughs> having a picture taken steals their steals soul. soul yeah. And the thing was, <laughs> The thing was, I'm wondering if they were right and it's just not a big deal. Um, <laughs> because ours, ours were all small and withered anyway. <laughs> well, it's just the idea of the, the projection. I mean, what what is the purpose of having, you know, a soul besides, you know, some sort of influence on the world unless you're going to be so solipsistic about it that it's simply what the soul transforms in itself. I mean, if the AI is facilitating that, it's fine. If it puts someone out of a job, that's a problem. And we should address that specifically. Yes. Like, that's a thing that we ought to just consider on its own terms. Mm -hmm. But this this bringing the whole, like, human element into it, um, it confuses the conversation in a, in a way that doesn't seem resoluble. Like, I don't, I don't see any way for that to go away. You end up, you end up with the same... I, I already said my piece on it. It's, it's the idea that an artist, quote-unquote, an illustrator, wouldn't simply augment what they already do with this new technology the way they did literally every time one of these came out mm -hmm. it's it's all new and and again critically it's all digital like <laughs> it's all digital stuff. an individual illustrator cannot necessarily do that though like for instance i'm thinking of you know how how music production has changed over the last what 50 years or something like that you you went I don't know much about what I'm talking about now, but just like for the sake of example, drum like, kits, like like a like a drum kit, right? So maybe maybe someone who's really good, like whose specialty is drumming, they're like, all right, well, I've I personally have been substituted with this drum kit now, and like, okay, it, it's my responsibility as a drummer to now like skill up as a trumpet player because like you know trumpets haven't been taken yet but there's drum kits now yeah. and the drummer isn't like necessarily equipped to retool himself as like a trumpet trumpet player so now you have a drummer that's like just out of a job and they doing meth in west virginia doing, yeah. doing west virginia meth if yep. they call that mountain dew <laughs> so like they're they're doing some mountain dew out there and like now that that individual is at, is like screwed they can't just like augment or skill up and that sucks, but also that's not <laughs> that's not the harvesting of a soul. That's the loss of a job that was technically defined and parametrized in such a way that a machine could take it and no one cared. Like it, it's like the idea of having like there are certain instances, you know, Hatsum Amiko is the prime example of a completely digital vocalist. I'm imagining that if um, like let's say Taylor Swift did an album where she just like sampled voices instead of singing the songs. I don't imagine anyone would like be interested in that. Like that doesn't, that doesn't see, and the drummer is literally behind a machine when yeah. they play. Yeah. So they were in a perfect position for them to, to just be entirely sidelined yeah. by the existence of electronics. Like it, 
it is all it does basically is feed the narcissism of our culture to some degree that one person can do all of those mechanical things and just leave themselves and that's a whole separate discussion this this is the the weird thing i had no idea where this conversation was going to go because there's a million directions it can go mm-hmm. um but it is i there is some concern to the accelerationist element of this. I'm not even terribly worried about the computers taking over. I'm worried about the like 50 narcissists that have already taken over, yep. and that just gets worse. Yeah, over that gets time. that gets worse, and and like that's another one of the, one of the threat modes activated by this advancing in technology, which is mm. like you just have this like the power law thing just get even worse because now like all right you've got this highly advanced technology in the hands of fewer and fewer maybe narcissists maybe a couple people trying to do the right thing and it's like okay good good for you you can do that narcissistically you could do it narcissistically sure um yeah the power law works incredibly well in cyberspace which again is the other thing i don't think there's a i mean there's probably a drum playing robot there's a lot fewer of them than the digital ones i mean again i'm still i'm still floored that there is not a standard um, fast food chain of some kind burgeoning somewhere. I haven't even heard of this in like San Francisco or wherever. There that was a make place a, that went out of business like two years ago. That can make a fucking burger. Like you, you can't make a vending machine that makes a burger. Like what is going on here? It's real hard, man. <laughs> but the real so the real answer to that is as speaking as someone who was once a, a drone working at a McDonald's, um, <laughs> it's just cheaper to have people doing it. Yep. And until that stops being the case, uh, there won't be any burger robots. Yeah. Sad but true. That was like the um they they, they revealed, um, of course, Musk finally got around to making like a human looking robot thing. My immediate response is, we have 8 billion of these already. <laughs> we don't need any more of these. We have so many of these. Oof, ouch, owie. Like, we don't, like, we don't need a robot that does this. We already have, like, people are, they find their own food. <laughs> they replicate themselves. Like, we spent a long time, we and the collective galactic sense, spent a long time getting to this point. Yes. We've done a great job replicating beyond our means. Like, we don't we don't need any more bipedal, like, machines. <laughs> We've got so many of them. Fair enough. But the ones we have are not nearly compliant enough. So... So even... Aren't, aren't we? <laughs> I mean, for God's sake, you send... The McDonald's oh. robot you have to service. If the McDonald's, like, if the actual, like, robots at McDonald's right now get sick, they go deal with their own problems. You don't even have to assign a mechanic. <laughs> like, I mean, you do through a, a sort of abstract system of, of the exchange of, of little pieces of paper. Thank they God go, for money. But they do take themselves to the mechanic. Yeah. So there is that. At Incredibly least. self-sufficient. Yeah. Self-servicing. Anyway, Matt, sorry. I don't know if that was part of the conversation you were expecting to have here, but that's what I think about when I think about artificial intelligence. Yeah, that's fine. That's I think, fine. I, well, I mean, I think that's maybe maybe the most imminent, you know, quote-unquote apocalypse, right, is, is oh, no, now, now there will no longer be any artists on account of AI just sweeping them all away. Unless you so, like the people involved, like, mm-hmm. that's, that, that happened. So, maybe. Right, so th- this is maybe getting a little back bit back to what I was saying before about about sociological immunity. Right, <laughs> you have some idea in your head that there are real artists out there, 
right, that generate art that is to you intrinsically more valuable than that which is generated by an AI. Yes. This, this is the argument that you're making, just to be to be clear, right? That's correct. What I happens feeling when where you're going? Yeah. And anyway, continue. What happens when the majority of society decides that they don't care? What? Well, a there. That that's already true. I'm I'm virtually confident that's true. Post COVID, COVID oh. made this really really bad. Mm-hmm. Like I don't. I, I'm pretty sure that was the turning point, uh-huh. and I don't know how we recover from it. I don't. Wait, with respect to art, w- with with respect to caring about with the respect to a special interest in entities that are not replicable by other means Mm -hmm. it's completely you actually didn't go where i expect i expected you to say when i suddenly discover that one of these people is not in fact a person (laughs) which is only possible in digital space in physical space that would be really hard sure yeah (laughs) i mean that is essentially where i was going right is that is that you know there is some set of values or perspectives that you have that that you know enable you to resist the coming onslaught of of AI generated images, um, and I'm I'm trying to connect this up to the conversation that we were having earlier about um, about Twitter. Right? Is that you know you recognize that. Twitter conversations are no substitute for the conversation that we're having right now or that you might have later this evening over dinner or something like that, right? But there is a whole host of people who do not make that distinction, and that's why Twitter is a cesspit. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right? So, like, what, what Sorry, is... Sorry, I, I, I read your question sideways. Totally, totally. Um, totally fine. What is... What's the secret sauce, right? Like... What is that element that that uh, enables us to, to to give a shit about those things? Because I see a, a I see a very sterile future. Um, These aren't replaceable, and the digital ones are. the The whole reason Twitter the conversations are not the, the conversations the the specific the, the specific physical interaction is not replaceable. Mm-hmm. It's why I play I board games in person. It's yeah. why I talk in person. There is because, and this this is what drove uh, it, it was a multivariate problem, but it's a lot of what drove Twitter and, for that matter, like society as sideways as it has. Everyone feels completely replaceable online, mm-hmm. and they're right. Yeah. They're completely fucking replaceable they because are. they're just text. Yep, yes. like they're nothing. They they are simply something that a computer can generate. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, is it is it a little touchy feely and human to only care about things that cannot be like reproduced in that way or replaced in that way? Sure, but I'm one of those. Yep. So fucking deal with it. Like <laughs> that's I I'm making the most like I, I'm making an argument right now in my head that um I I'm very surprised at. Because I'm normally not a person. I, I, I'm normally on the other side of this. I'll stop ellipsizing this. Um, about buying art from people a million years ago that's maybe mm. not even that good, just because you know that it's art from a million <laughs> years ago by a person. Uh huh. Um, and that, I, I mean, that's basically what I'm arguing for here. Although I, I do think that gets blown out of proportion a lot because the, the idea of having a connection to Van Gogh is kind of silly at some point. Especially in the million dollar range, I think that's a little silly. But like, but it's an investment. But the but like the actual it's a money going laundering tool. Yeah, well, sure. If you turn it into investment, that's a completely <laughs> fucking different. That's a different can of bees. But like, if you have like a can of worms, you can just put the. Worms. I gotcha. But <laughs> the Good luck are, getting those fucking the, bees the back bees in are there. Gone. Bees yep. are out of the bag. All right. 
but but it's who let the bees out of the can <laughs> anyway but sorry no, to well, continue. It, i mean i think the point is mostly made it's it's that you know whatever whatever that is if there's if there's some arbitrariness to the fact that it's an irretrievable thing, that it's a thing in the moment, I mean, you even catch this in the, the mere communication between people who theoretically understand each other's motives. I mean, texting, honestly, is almost impossible. Mm-hmm. Like, it's really hard to do. There are enough missing channels of communication that it. I have been misunderstood and misunderstood texts more often than I have any other means of communication. Yeah. It's incredible. Yep. And, like, I have, like, a disease that's supposed to make me bad at what we're doing right now. And I, like, Zoom, it, it, even even having, like, video, uh, during COVID, I had three Zoom calls total. I had one, wondered maybe this is just me, had a second one, said never again, and then third, there was, like, a birthday party I had to, like, go in for. Otherwise, hate, hate hate them so much and it's weird because that doesn't seem like that seems like should have whatever the soul of that is because it is voice and it is visual and it's not it's almost worse than text mm-hmm. like i can't i cannot do it it just drives me crazy there's obviously visual... a couple of things missing there it's like you're in two dimensions now you have some latency you don't have eye contact you don't yeah. have like you just you're not sharing the same air there's like the, that's that's kind of a well, it is. It's, it's, thing. It's, like, it's like an uncanny valley yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. no I, I tend to agree with that it is better than texting for me at least a little bit but i i'm still disquieted in some way every time i have to have one of those calls um okay so if we are if we are agreed that there is some ephemeral quality that is desirable in in you know I guess meat space interaction and and generation of of quote unquote using this word for lack of a better one real things um I foresee a an ecosystem problem where enough people are just fed whatever the AI feeds them that it is impossible to eke out a living as one of these as one of these, you know, meat space artists or or novelists or any of that. What is the what is the antidote? Is there is this a problem and is it solvable? This is one of the reasons why I'm worried about this. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, just on the whole pile pile of reasons why AI could potentially be a threat. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you have a bunch of jobs taken. People are bored now, not doing anything. Maybe yeah. there's some kind of UBI, like that that uh, UBI, and now like we've got so, we've got like people like playing games and hanging out in meat space because AI's like taking care mm-hmm. of everything. Like, oh good, the machines have taken care of all of our needs and so now we can just go hang out in person all the time. So uh-huh. maybe maybe it's not like we're we have to eke out a living anymore. Maybe instead like there's some kind of UBI system, that universal basic income system that gets put into place such that like, all right, now we can all just hang out and like live now because things are taking care of us. Like maybe that's some kind of antidote to what you're talking about. Maybe. I mean, they call it, they call it fully automated luxury gay space communism, right? Or, or something along these lines. Um, this possibly solves the problem, but does this... I don't know. We we still miss a lot of 
the the telos that we had, right? I, and and I've I've wondered about this. This is this is veering into into philosophical territory, which mm. maybe was unavoidable. Um, but you know, throughout our history as a species, our purpose, at least on some level, has always been survive. Yes. Um, and if that is taken away, does the rest of our drive to create go with it? I have absolutely no idea, but it is something I am worried about. Survive, meaning like build a house, find a way to get water, get food, and so on. If that is all taken care of, yeah, I, I, I think, I think what what we what we continue to do is just like continue to move up the hierarchy of of like ways to fulfill ourselves. So, like in the past, it used to be like life used to be about like hunting, getting food, like building shelter and stuff like that. But that's mainly taken care of. Let now. me let me clarify before you go on. Okay. What I am suggesting is that all of those endeavors, all of those higher level endeavors, are fundamentally linked back to the survival instinct. Okay, they are outgrowths of it, and when when that instinct is fully satiated at yeah. all times yeah. is creativity even possible there's going to be some personality types for which like yeah it's it's going to be like life is too meaningless now mm -hmm. but there will be other people for whom it'll be like hey cool like let's go live this life now i hope there will my be spaceship. enough of those people yes. yeah yeah but the okay so so that's that when combined with another another like risk that we're facing right now like i i have crispr on my mind right now mm -hmm. like there's going to be some people that are like all right yeah the world fucking sucks now and i i don't like this and i want revenge against the world mm -hmm. i'm gonna go what are you gonna do like like it's like bioengineer blow, blow up of... blow up a building oh good you've killed like 500 people it's like you're a baby. Yeah, good. <laughs> baby. That's the word I would use to describe that. <laughs> a baby for like your your stated goal is to like have as I'm not pointing to anybody in particular right now. Like like this evil Except person. For me. This evil person. I see your fingers. <laughs> All right, thank you. Okay. CRISPR bioengineering lets you kill more than five hundred people at a time. And and if somebody like is is angered enough by this new situation then in conjunction with it with other horrible new technology also good technology if if wielded well but like potentially very destructive technology and we've got a bad situation on our hands and yeah anyway i'm pretty scared uh by that does, on, does ai fit within that bill or is that a is that far enough removed that it's just a different field entirely still um I don't know what the state of CRISPR is. They're they're not overlapping fields, and yet one could imagine, like, you know, the AI, like, even though it exists mainly in this digital space, it can like manipulate people such that the people are now its like arms and eyes, right? So so now, like like for instance. 
like you've got some chat bot like GPT-9 or something like that. And GPT-9 says like, oh, I've got this paperclip thing. And like there's too many people in the way. So we've got to kill all the people to build more paperclips. We've got this paperclip fetish. Yeah. Yeah. We've got to. We need you to write an essay that turns as many people into paperclips as possible. <laughs> yeah. Or, or they say like, hey, here's the CRISPR yeah. recipe. We're going to. And the AI says, I'll pay you this much um, if you like mix these chemicals in this way. And then, like, oops, you dropped it, like, on your way to work, and now, like, 500 million people just died. So I can imagine possibly an even easier version of this, yes. which is that maybe, maybe um, you know, there is somebody who, will, who wants to do this very badly, your, your prospective evil person. Uh, as we discussed earlier, part of the saving grace of, of the murder bot scenario is that doing shit in the real world is hard. You know, figuring out what genes to splice where mm. to increase the virulence and, and you know, uh, uh, survivability of any given disease vector is a hard problem. Um, but you can imagine an AI who decides that, you know, people need to be removed in favor of paperclips, simply determining through simulation what these steps are mm. and then posting them on the Internet. Yeah, that's right. Um, so there's there's sort of a, a, you know, information hazard type scenario there as well, where, you know, that information gets gets out there and we're all worse off just for it being in for existence. it existing yep. yeah yeah i i definitely agree with that this I, is one of the reasons okay. what well, i'm sorry i'm sorry to interrupt but i gotta say is one of the reasons why i isolate myself because i feel in a certain way like i am becoming that inf information hazard like i hesitate to even talk about any of this stuff because i'm like well i don't want to be a downer right <laughs> and yet like this is this is the kind of stuff that i think about and i'm like oh shit like next couple the next couple decades could be awful and i just don't want to t remind people of that fact so i hold it back yeah I mean, that on the, sucks on the plus side everyone's thinking about it and everybody else is doomsday like everybody's fucking depressed right now about all this stuff <laughs> it all yeah, everybody's thinking about it so okay. i wouldn't worry too much about that just to close a thread that i i think i i opened without closing i had mentioned stephen hawking talking about ai developing weapons without us understanding how they work uh, it, it ties directly into this because even with computer simulations, um, viruses have been trying to come up with viruses that would kill us uh, many, many, many orders of magnitudes of times over the last bunch of centuries when there were a lot of us around. And um, it's clearly hard to kill us. Like <laughs> it, it, takes, it takes a really special virus to do that. Nature has a lot of advantages in, yeah. that, in that way yeah. where, you know, if you kill someone too fast, then you can't pass the disease on. So there's a sort of optimal, you know, incubation period plus virulence plus, and, you know, and the thing, survivability. The, the flaw in Hawking's thinking about this is that there are, in the physical world, there are extremely practical limits to how lethal or just generally effective something can be. Yep. And it's, again, it's this delusion of trying to transfer the digital world into the physical world. There are ways to do it, obviously. Information warfare is a great way to transfer from the digital to the physical. But even that has its limitations, um, as long as people are defending against it, which is the other important side of this, is that 
as fast as an evil virus can be generated, the same technology exists to thwart it. Yeah, yeah. Like, I don't know how and much AI hopes, was involved. One hopes. Well, I don't know how much AI was involved in developing the mRNA vaccine, but I'll bet some intense modeling happened yeah. that improved the speed at which it was developed. Mm -hmm. Like, that, it, it does work in both directions pretty mm -hmm. well. Mm -hmm. I don't know about drones. Drones seems a little asymmetrical. Attacking with a drone seems a shitload easier than defending against them. Yeah. But that, that may not be true. Because I don't know how much money's actually been dumped into anti-drone defense mechanisms at this point. I don't feel like it's that much. I'm not sure either. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, a, a couple things. So, so the one of the whole one of the whole issues with AI alignment is like when you deploy a model, it acts on the world very quickly, or at least it has the potential to act on the world very quickly. So, one of the things that people talk about in AI safety is like. We've got to develop this th this these new models safely from the get go because we can't let like we can't have this like to use a computer security analogy here the zero day vulnerability comes out and then like you build up like the defenses around it later it's like you can't do it later because these systems could like just like okay now now we've we've come out the the threat has come out and like. So what are you gonna what are you gonna go go and fix it later? No, you can't. Well, like it's out of the box now. My understanding is that the 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 majority of the worry there is you have some sort of zero day vulnerability where you have imperfectly aligned your AI, and then the AI bootstraps itself to super intelligence. I think I am very skeptical about that latter part of the argument, mm -hmm. right? Where where okay, you know, the AI bootstraps itself to super intelligence, and now we're powerless. We have absolutely no idea how difficult it is to improve upon the intelligence of an entity past the point of the creator's intelligence. We have never made ourselves more intelligent. Aside from... Much, the, yeah. Well, I mean, we've removed lead from, from gasoline, so yeah, that, yeah, that yeah. helped a lot. Um, but that's only an average effect, right? Yeah. That's not acting on anyone in specific, maximum, in, in yeah. particular, right? Yeah. So... Um, I think the idea that we build an AI that is incrementally smarter than us and then progress will be exponential after that is deeply flawed. I think there is no good reason to assume that there won't be required paradigm shifts mm. in in you know the structure of the AI yeah, which but... we've discussed already. But you know, it, of course it it does if the given paradigm continues to work possibly become easier to to increase the intelligence once the first step has has occurred leading to an exponential growth in intelligence but there is just no guarantee that there aren't practical limits to that um and like like dave said which this, are physics problems right they're physics problems and and uh there is no good reason to assume that once this thing starts to get out of control it will be able to hoodwink literally every person in the entire world, you know, until what it, it, until up until you know t minus one, t being the time where it starts turning everyone into paper clips, it somebody will see things start to go wrong and and deploy countermeasures. It would take a really smart person to program that AI, <laughs> is what I would say about that. 
like it, and that's again it, it falls yeah. into the same trap it's there's this idea of, and it's weird because it's narcissistic whichever way you look at it but uh, do, do you fall into the narcissism trap that i do where you think that you know the human form of intelligence um is <laughs> uh, to be just mishmash the shit out of my metaphors is turing complete um and is in fact pretty much as good as it's going to get like our reasoning capacities are uh, it, nature certainly hasn't found a more effective way to reason than the way that our brains reason we have not found any of the forms that nature has created if so yeah and but the thing or if, is if not pardon yeah, me. Not but but we've had nature's had such a run of it to find a better one and it hasn't like this is as good as it gets and it literally well, it locally. may have done it like twice total it's <laughs> like it barely got here which is not to say it's not impossible but like you said, Andy, there's no reason to assume that there is an ex or it wouldn't have to, exponential wouldn't be fast enough a logarithmically superior way to reason. Like it's it's distinctly possible there just isn't one. In the same way that it's distinctly possible nothing's faster than the speed of light. Mm -hmm. Like we may we may have just hit an asymptote or the opposite of an asymptote. I, I at the same time, there's no reason to assume that. Right? Sure. It, oh it, no, absolutely. But, yeah. But th right, your priors on this ought to be just 50 50 there's there is no good information about how agi will develop there is information about how tool ai will develop there are people that think that if you just add enough parameters to gpt it will become an agi but there's no good reason to think that either right there is yeah, and if and if all agi is is a really smart guy that's we've honest, got those that's that's really not in the grand <laughs> scheme of things a lot of slightly dumber guys are going to be able to hold back one really smart guy. They'll they'll be able to pull okay. it off. Let me let me share my pet theory about this. <laughs> All right. This the entire doomsaying economy like surrounding AI is a result of childhood bullying. <laughs> because the assumption, the key assumption here is that intelligence in and of itself is sufficient to take over the world. Oh dang! Oh, I Revenge agree. I agree nerds. with that. I agree right, with that. Thank yep. you. No, one hundred percent. That is my that is my galaxy brain statement for the surrounding five years. Please return in twenty twenty five for another. No, oh, no, I I absolutely agree with that. I mean, this isn't the only domain where that's true either. Yeah. Like this, the entire idea of smarts overcoming uh, brawn. brawn is yeah absolutely is just a disease that has infected our whole society for yep. the last thirty years. Yep. No, complete disconnect with, with the reality on the ground, which is that dudes with sledgehammers absolutely beat that computer. Well, and that's... That's the, not scalable, though. Really. <laughs> it's scalable to 8 billion sledgehammers. <laughs> <laughs> well, everyone's a robot. <laughs> what, what, the XKCD? If we use this $5 crowbar... The wrench attack. to kill this guy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, Hack the mainframe. No, no, no. I got a wrench. Of course, all this isn't to say that there aren't concerns and that it's not worth looking into because I could be wrong too, right? Oh, my, yeah. My priors on this are literally just 50-50. I have no information. The roots could so, be right. They've been right before. Yeah. So. Um, but but the level the level of deep depression that, that people like Eliezer Yudkowsky feel about this shit is absurd to me i'm way more concerned about global warming but it's it's 
even less tractable at this point. So since it, we're hitting a point where um, it's fractalizing and there's not there's not an actual distinct solution to the problem anymore. Uh-huh. So that's I, I when I feel like being globally depressed, that's what I get depressed about. Yes. Um, because there's so there's so many avenues, there's so many exciting ways in which it's it's a anyway AI. <laughs> we get back to AI. This here. this might be the reason why I uh, I might just be like inclined to go find something with wrong with the world and then get freaked out about that. So get getting coming back to like the beginning of this. I used to be an actuary. Then I quit because I'm like, all right, well, this, this feels meaningless, feels like I'm just being an actor. It feels like the products that we're pumping out are kind of like both BS in some ways, although there are some redeeming qualities to a couple kinds of life insurance, less so for some annuities, although like some of them have their places too. Um, but I was like, well, given the fact, the fact <laughs> that the world is just going to end due to terrorism or global warming or oh what's a new thing agi it's like okay yeah it's like the world's gonna end is what i think and then like maybe i'm just trying to fit that to fit that dark thought of mine to something that i see out there in the Mm. world which i feel like i feel like i've got permission from smart people and organizations like eighty thousand hours they have at the the top of their career list which in other words is like what (laughs) Hey world, what should I do with my life? And then I find a website like 80,000 hours, which has at the top of their list, like one of the top three ways to like use your career slash life is to be in AI uh, safety, in AI safety, right? Um, And people like Yudkowsky have like convinced some of the leaders in their organization to go and say like, hey, this is an important thing. And they've like like that organization's like, yeah, you know what? That does look like an important thing. And me not knowing what to do with my life, like like feeling this sense of meaninglessness from being an actuary, which by the way, like maybe that was not meaningless. Maybe I was just like poo-pooing it for like bad reasons. And I still can't, I'm kind of embarrassed to say that I can't really articulate the ways in which it's like a, a bad thing to do. It just felt like kind of generally wrong. It's like, hey, like, why, why should we make more life insurance when, like, the world's just going to end? Not necessarily, like, the right way of thinking about it, but mm. a way that I couldn't stop thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I felt, like, just stagnating in that field. So, mm-hmm. like, like maybe, maybe my thoughts are all just kind of wrapped around each other. It's like I'm just tied in a knot and... I'm just like, all right, let's cut the knot and go to go to that website. What's at the top of the list? Work on AI safety. Boom, I'm going to go do that because mm. that's the thing that they told me to do. Mm-hmm. And like, is this the right way of approaching a, a big life decision like that? Not sure, but I felt like I didn't really have a good alternative. There. Sure, sure. Worth the shot. Doesn't yes. hurt. Well, maybe th- maybe it could hurt, and I could tell you why. But Andy, you've got something. To say. I was well. I was I was about to say. I think what maybe you are about to say, which is you will have some idea in your head about the the way that this will proceed, that your life will proceed if you get on this track. Yes. Um, some level of meaning that you may feel, or some connection that you may feel that you feel like you lack right now. Mm. Um, but there's no guarantee. Right, that that will necessarily fill that void. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, 
Oh, that's it? We've I, talked about that all the time. Okay, I thought you were going to... Right. <laughs> I always leave that on the table. Well, but I, is... I mean, we, he and I haven't talked no, no, about no, no, this no, before, no, no, so I yeah. Just... Yeah, I, I, I think expecting, expecting one thing to be it mm-hmm. is putting too many eggs in one basket. Yeah, and, and all... either, Either way, that basket is then composed of, of to you know, torture the analogy a little bit, one <laughs> strand of, of wicker, and you need many strands yeah, to form a yeah, basket, yeah, which yeah. can hold your eggs. <laughs> um, so yeah, mission, mission and purpose in work is not a bad thing, but I think it needs to be supplemented with many other sources of meaning for life to not get uh dysfunctional yeah and i feel like i've been doing a bad job of that generally and one reason for it is because like i've i've i feel like i've never really gotten to like to exert that kind of muscle like that like Hmm. like actually it's not that i want my work to be the only source of meaning in my life but i feel like so far i've never really done good work like I, I want I want to have put all of yourself into something. Yeah, exactly right. And I, I remember working at my old jobs and thinking and and while sometimes listening to the Jocko podcast, thinking like, yeah, I want to put some of these leadership like skills into practice, like the, like these leadership lessons that I'm learning. But then on the other hand, I want nothing to do with leading in any kind of way in any of these organizations hmm. that I'm in right now because uh-huh. I'm not aligned with any of these missions. Yeah. And in fact, I'm, I'm like staying away, actively staying away from being a leader here. And that, that's what was so like repulsive to me about like being in those situations. So now I want like... I, I want to be more choosy about the kind of field that I go into. Yeah, so, sure. So, which, which maybe is a way that I'm like motivating in my own mind. Like, hey, yeah, like the world's gonna go down the tubes unless you, like, unless I personally go and save it, mm. right? So I gotta go get into this field. Mm-hmm. Meanwhile, though, and and this is like the light bulb that you saw go off for me like two minutes ago, David, which was like, oh, I, uh, and I could tell. Uh, here's what I said, <laughs> and I can tell you why. Uh, like this is a problem but then you Andy like I was like but Andy what, what do you what do you got here's another thing that I was thinking at that point I was thinking this is a fucking hard field I've been taking a course on machine learning for mm-hmm. the last week mm-hmm. right a, a course called arena it's like the one of the one of the letters stands for accelerator and one of the other letters stands for machine learning research engineer. It's not gladiatorial <laughs> like, combat between the students. <laughs> I think that's how, week seven. How okay. frankly disappointing. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. 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 That's week seven. Um Yeah, anyway, I uh started in this class this week and I've gotten my ass handed to me. Hmm. Turns out uh, some, many of the other students have too, as a as it happens um but turns out that this is a this is a hard problem this is a hard set of problems because it's like there's a lot of hard math and computer science mm-hmm. and like there's a lot of hard stuff to do and maybe i just can't do it like maybe i'm not up to the task or at least like i can't just instantly jump in and contribute right and i'm i'm feeling like in a certain sense impatience i'm feeling mm. i'm feeling like I'm behind in some sense because I I like 
pissed away all that time as an actuary and now I feel embarrassed in a certain sense that I can't just come in and like start making big contributions immediately and that that sense of embarrassment is itself going to get in the way mm-hmm. if I do pursue this field and I just said if and I don't like that I said if because like I've been like this has been one of my patterns in the last couple of years just kind of like being ambivalent about whatever kind of decision uh, that I make to like for for how to use my life. So saying if just then is just like another manifestation of this ambivalence. I don't like that. Mm. Um, but like going back to the embarrassment comment, it's like if I can't be comfortable on some level with showing other people that I don't know how to use like simple functions in NumPy to make tensors. It's like, come on, like, you think you're going to be an ML research engineer and you can't use NumPy? Like, what's wrong with you? It's like, well, okay, I got to learn this stuff, though. Yeah, after 26 weeks, I imagine that'll get a lot easier. Yep. Yeah, probably. Or or maybe I'm, like, so ill-equipped for this field that... um, that it's like, why are you even trying here? Like, for instance, I remember reading one of the hot shots in this field's websites. He, he has like a, an FAQ for like getting into the field, how to like get into AI alignment. And one of the questions is, yeah, so a lot of the, it's not a question, but it's labeled a as, statement. It, it, it's it's yeah. labeled as a question on this FAQs, right? And the question goes like this. Seems like a lot of the advice that you have on this website assumes that you have coding experience. I'm not a coder. What should I do? So it is a question. It does terminate in a question. Oh, okay. um, and the answer is, all right, you're not a coder? Well, I question whether you've actually made a well-considered decision to get into this field in the first place. And that hit me right in the heart. I'm like, ooh, yeah. It's like maybe I've made an ill-considered decision to get into this field. But on the other hand, like, I don't want to use the skills that I had as an actuary because I wasn't an actuary. I was an actor. And I want to, like, I, I both want to and I have the ability to just, like, erase that portion of my life and kind of start fresh. Mm-hmm. It's late. I'm almost 34. But, like, I don't have the commitments that many other 34-year-olds have, right? So I don't have, like, like... I've still got like some potential, right? Like that somebody younger than me would have. But I'm embarrassed, but part of me sometimes is embarrassed that I've waited this long to like make the contribution Mm. or or to like to to go and do something that I like have decided is more meaningful. So anyway, that's a lot of what's on my mind right now. If it makes you feel any better vis-a-vis the last point. Yes. One of the best coworkers I had in grad school was a guy who started at 48. He had made widgets for the rest of his life. He he was an electrical engineer yeah. and just made some box for telecom things. I assume he liked his job well enough, but he cashed out of a startup and decided, this isn't it. Hmm. I want to go back to school. Uh, so he spent 44 to 48 getting an undergraduate degree in physics and then 48 to, I think he graduated this past year, so 48 to 54, getting his physics doctorate. Yeah. There is no good reason why you should think that that age 
matters much. Yeah, yeah. Intellectually, I understand this point. I see the evidence of the of these kinds of people. Like yeah. cle- clearly, these kinds of people exist. Yeah. And 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 I I'm able to like to kind of get this point, but not f- but not to fully internalize this point. Um, and and the way this manifests for me is like when I'm working on something and getting confused by something that like should be kind of what I see should be kind of easy. Mm. I just get down on myself. I'm mm. like, this should be easy for you. Like, what's wrong? And you didn't spend that, five years working on it yet. Yep. Right. Yeah. But and and clearly that is the answer to that question. What's wrong? And and yet. Like that kind of pattern of thinking could be the thing that prevents me from getting better in five more years. Oh yeah. Like like if 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 I keep letting if I don't fully internalize the point that you just made, Andy, about this like this this person, then that pattern of thinking will prevent me from like getting better in this new pursuit that I that I have made time and space for and that I could make work and that I might be like up to the task for mm-hmm. like I'm, I might be intelligent enough for this kind of thing I'm not sure about that like like I might have the latent capacity to like generate these sk- to generate these skills but I'm not sure and those questions that crop, crop up in my mind make uh, provide evidence that I might not be up to the task and that worries me I think it's a rare person that doesn't have these worries though I I I have studied optics for 11 years at yes. this point as a, as full time. Um, and there are still many days that I feel like shit <laughs> because I'm trash. I'm a piece of garbage, right? Like I, I am not good enough. I fucking suck at this shit. And then there are other days where it's like, I'm a goddamn genius. <laughs> I had one of those the other day, literally followed by not like an hour later by the sense that I was a piece of garbage who would never accomplish anything. <laughs> I like I correctly oh, no. at a glance ascertained the problem with a, like a calculation based on some like surface level data that somebody presented me. I was like, "Oh, you just didn't do this thing." They went back and it was like, "Yeah, that fixed the entire thing." And I was like, genius. "I'm a genius." Right. And then an hour later I was talking about about processing some different kind of data that I fucked up on, and I thought I was the stupidest person in the world. And yeah, I think yeah. I think uh, this is why equanimity is a virtue, right? Like the the ability to to uh, recognize that these emotions are not necessarily reflective of reality, and to to take all of that data into consideration when processing how you actually are how good you actually are at this stuff um i i don't think that there's a good answer to how to get there other than to practice though you know there's there's an element of of meta meta like get good at getting good at not getting down on yourself i that's a really stupid way of putting it but yeah there are definitely there are two things to keep in mind here um i mean the first one as phyllis diller would say is if at first you don't succeed quit um (laughs) if you're not good at what you're doing find something else that you're good at um with the moral of which is that (laughs) 
it's you have to be when when you do put whether you put all your eggs in one basket or not you have to be aware that you can fail like it's distinctly possible this won't work out and you have to be prepared for that yes it's fine to limit your options now and make sure that you give it give this as good a shot as you can to make sure whether that's true um but that does not foreclose the possibility of failure and uh the other one is not the second guess the guy that you were uh quoting the q a for but He's speaking for the entire field of artificial intelligence and believes that if you have no coding experience, um, that you shouldn't get into it. Um, I, I mean, I will admit I'm not in the field. That guy sounds like an idiot. Like that's an that's yeah. an idiotic thing to say. Like, sure, he may be very good at like yeah. something in his life. He's not good at giving advice. He can't. Yeah. He yeah. can't uh, be. That's, I, I that's might have psychotic. misquoted yeah. him. I might have misquoted. But, sure, but the but, idea was there. But even if that's the thrust of the idea, that's a psychotic answer to give for an entire field like that. Like that's that, that's nonsense. There's no way that's true. AI AI safety is more mathematics than it is direct coding in a lot of cases. Well, and even even within alignment, that, the alignment problems. There's so many jobs. Like this isn't this isn't a field with a hundred people in it at the end of the day. Like I don't know, man. AI safety is pretty small. Yeah, this isn't a field it, with ten people in it. That's there might be like two hundred active researchers. There's yeah, no, it's it's something like three hundred to a thousand people working on this stuff right now. There's no there's no way, like, this doesn't that. That's that's ridiculous. Anyway, I mean, I guess sure. If it's literally AI safety, if it's literally the people working on AI safety, yes, sure. I guess maybe that's possible. But there's no that that's an incredibly myopic thing to say. It doesn't make any sense to me. Beyond which, you know, you really won't know until you try. If even if you even if you have little coding experience yeah. right now, scientific computing experience specifically, it sounds like what you're looking for. Uh, those are skills you can get. Yeah, and maybe part of what I'm being discouraged by is that I've jumped in like to to something too hard. It's like, oh, I heard you wanted to go like do some weight training. You want to do some squats? All right. Yeah, I've done some squats before. I can do like a hundred something pounds. Here's four hundred pounds. Yeah go squat 400 pounds it's like maybe i could do that in like a year i don't think i'm ready for 400 pounds yet and yet i just jumped into the 400 pounds class and i'm discouraged by that i think that might be what i'm going through right now i mean how how disappointed are you going to be if you work with ai but not in the exact field of ai safety that actually seems to be a pretty I wouldn't want to do that. And the reason for that is because uh, working on, you're talking about working on AI capabilities as opposed to AI safety. As opposed and, to this exact sliver of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. so, so I, I would see that as a failure actually, because like one of, one of the things that I see is that by working on AI capabilities as opposed to safety, you're just like pu pushing humanity closer to this like extinction risk. And that that's kind of a big statement, but it's like that that's kind of how I'm thinking about this. Like if you're just working on the capabilities, so so you like you're trying to design a faster car, like nicer, more aerodynamic, and like get more horsepower out of the engine. Um, I want to work on the car too, but I want to work on the airbags. And it's like if I if I go and like 
fail to work on the airbags of this car and instead i'm working on like you know making the hood lighter or something like that then i will have failed because like i'm i'm making the car faster and i don't want to make the car faster i want to make it safer like that that is the reason i pause just there is because i'm like it's not totally true right so so there's no way that's true based on what we've discussed i think it's perfectly possible that it's true because the entire the entire uh source of purpose comes from the the you know mitigation of of x risk right at first blush the answer is yes yeah but on the other hand i'm thinking like well as this car is being built up you get into this culture of people who are trying to make the car faster and everyone's like giving each other high fives over the new like new best fast car award that we just got for a new car (laughs) right good job guys (laughs) and at the core of it like what do i want from all of this like on some level i want to like enable the future of humanity and like you know i I was i was uh my eyes got sweaty when reading the precipice and the precipice is toby ord's book about like some guys sorry some guys book about Mm -hmm. existential risk and his dedication in the book is like to the to the people that brought us here like the the hundred billion people that like got us to this point and the 10 billion people that are alive today give or take and the trillions yet to come and my my eyes got sweaty i'm like yeah like let's build the future of humanity that sounds awesome like we can go and like build what do you call it like fully automated gay space stations with luxury luxury communism um and i was like yeah that sounds good but on another level i just want high fives right so like maybe bringing this back to what you were suggesting david it's like could be the case that i fail to work in ai safety because that's like a really hard thing to get into and i fail into working on ai capabilities which from this vantage point i'm saying like would be a failure mode like like that's like i don't want to do that that's like making the end the possible extinction of humanity happen faster by adding one more person to the pursuit of the faster and better car but meanwhile, like, may, and maybe I do, like, push us a little bit closer to the brink and, like, raise the likelihood of human extinction by, like, one more part in a billion or something like that. But on the way there, I got more high fives. And that's awesome. And maybe that's not a failure. And there's some sense in which most of the activities that we carry out as a culture you know, increase existential risk by some amount, right? Making more people increases the probability that some evil super genius will be born by some tiny amount. And we got to uh, do something. And we got to do that. something about that. <laughs> I recommend murdering all the firstborn in Egypt or something. I don't know. Egypt. Yeah. 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 Um, don't do that. But it, you're anyway. also you're also increasing the probability maybe that you by the same amount or a different amount that like a smart helpful person will be born to for sure yeah and so there's there's these kinds of like butterfly effect risks and and rewards are in my estimation not really worth thinking about because 
I, I mean... Okay, caveat. They might be worth thinking about a little bit. They are not worth building your life around. Because you will... And here's, here's a question that I was going to ask you earlier. Is what if you join the field of AI safety, yeah. right? And things kind of continue along their current trajectory, which is the field has generated many interesting models. None of them solve the alignment problem in any way. Um, if you if you do put 15 years of your life into this and the problem itself is just intractable, yep. how do you, how does that make you feel this is one of the reasons why i'm why i'm scared of going into it it's like oh man i could just end up wasting a bunch of time so there are like three three ways of thinking about this like throw yourself at it uh ignore the problem or just like totally forget about it i guess those last two are basically the same thing and it's like when i was on the boat for instance I mainly forgot about this stuff because there was other cool stuff to do, like, like you, fish, like fish, yeah, or like put the sails in the right spot, or like not run over, not run the boat into a ton of rocks or something like that. And there's like, like this other part of me wants to, wants to fully abandon like this this potential life that I could have of like employing the lessons that I learned from Jocko's podcast in like this leadership capacity as some like company whose values my values are aligned with and they said just get a fucking van and a crash pad and go rock climbing for the rest of my life like my friends Dan and Pam have done that also sounds awesome and it gets away from the risk that you just described Andy of um, like accidentally having spent 15 years on something fruitless and feeling like a failure in that way well so that question was more aligned with the the high fives comment that you made earlier mm -hmm. because i don't know finding out that the problem is intractable is not necessarily a waste That's i would true. fucking hope not I, I i'm getting a picture of what ai safety actually is and i'm getting really bad think tank vibes from it now um, I may is, have to ward you off this profession entirely you're, if I keep building this picture in my head. You're not entirely because it sounds like it's, it's starting to sound like a scam to me. Like if they're actually trying to solve AI safety, like if that's like the goal, that it better not be the fucking goal because they're not going to do that. Like that's not going to happen. If there was an if there was an answer to that question, someone would have come up with it by now. That's that's too trivial. I, There's no way that's true. That's a poor argument. But There's no way that's true. Some problems are very hard. Uh, okay. The the idea that you could solve the harnessing of AI in like a durable way and someone hasn't come up with like the contours of that problem, I don't buy it. I think along the way you probably solve the problem of human alignment too. So Yeah, that's also not happening. So I don't... Personally, I tend to agree. I don't want to... I don't want to discourage Matt necessarily if he's... Look, if they're not his. doing this, it's fine. But if this is 200 people locked in a room trying to solve this problem, that's a fucking problem. Because that's not, to, to use a turn of phrase, that is, like, that's, <laughs> that's... That's... I don't... You, I, don't I can't... I you can't have struck on a that. criticism that uh, many people that. have made before of the AI safety field. Okay. Um, I can't. I can't condone that. I <laughs> felt like my career was meaningless. So now I want the most meaningful career. Sure. Sure. 
Absolutely. Lock me in a room. <laughs> With 200 people. 200, 251 people now. 251 coders. And nobody else. <laughs> only coders. Okay. <laughs> no. So let's let's okay. There's, there's more than just coders involved. We can here. also we can also back up because that isn't the only problem, at least as far as I understand, that that you know people are trying to solve. They are they are trying to build up. Again, I hope so, because <laughs> the way that this was just posed is really, I'm really not. Uh, anyway. That Sorry is, again. This this is all speculation based on the last. That is last definitely the, the raison d'être of of the field. Let's not let's not <sighs> you know mince words about that. But there is there is as far as I understand ongoing work generating, you know, interesting incentive models to to veer agents off of particular courses. Um, one of which is, you know, turning us all into paper clips. So if you if you consider which that, which will reduce the number of evil geniuses, <laughs> thereby Synergy. reducing existential risk to zero. <laughs> yeah, there is no existential risk when there's no existence. <laughs> Hashtag destroy the universe. Look, but, yeah. Um, oh yeah, that's. Yeah. Anyway, sorry. I don't. I don't. You're only a week in. It's and again, I. I was just. I was drawing a very, very dangerous picture in my head of what what would come of this. Which I certainly hope that people at eighty thousand hours are not dumping this much time into something that that laser focused. But you know, I guess weirder things have happened. Yeah. I. Yeah, I'm not doing a very good job of representing what they're doing. No, they're doing, again, they're doing again, more. It's, it's they're, fine. They're doing more than just like encouraging people to be research engineers specifically. There are other like, it's not just like a ton of coders <laughs> in a room trying to figure out how to do this. Like there's, there's, poly, a there's rooms. Yeah, a couple rooms. Yeah, it's like we've got remote, fully remote even now. But no, in addition to that, they've, they've got the one of the recommended paths is like you work on AI policy as opposed to like, you, you know, like. Yeah laws and so forth um but i'm not interested in that because i'm not interested in politics i'm interested more in like learning how in in like building stuff with computers the technical that, problems yeah the technical stuff i mean that's just more like my speed and uh, so so coming back to something from earlier david like maybe maybe i fail into something that's not ai safety but rather just like software engineering that's one of the reasons why i'm interested in this like maybe not like building AI models, but rather like just coding stuff. And even if that doesn't work as a career, like knowing how to use Python and like build my own, build my own cool little hobby projects, sounds like a decent outcome for this too. Yeah, so that's like, that's that's what I was talking about. It's yeah, the idea okay, that you would okay. you would take those skills and apply them and not just like feel like a complete failure for doing. So. Yeah, yeah. So so I I kind of did the catastrophic interpretation of what you were talking about there coming back to another theme that we've discussed about me yeah. it's like oh how can everything go wrong which is just also, my middle, also my everything you work on in the car that's not the airbags does not increase the lethality of the car there's other stuff you can work on in the car that's <laughs> orthogonal <laughs> orthogonal to lethality dang that's a really good point dude making the yeah. seat softer yeah. does not yeah no, that's <laughs> it's not. yeah i i 
I, in my cynical mode, could find a way to say, like, oh, well, softer seats lead to more miles on the road because people want to drive more. Well, and but it's if like, you're... Matt, calm the fuck down with that. But no, but that's the perfect counterexample because if you're the kind of person in a position like that yes. to have a say or a value judgment pointing in the right direction, those, I mean, in my empirical experience, those are the people who actually make a difference. Like, if it's... The think tanks can produce papers that can be cited. Someone has to want to cite the papers. And that would be you in an organization that is applying artificial intelligence. You are someone who can point yeah, to yeah. and say, hey, we should look at this good work that's written in this nice paper by coders uh, in a room in San Francisco to guide what we are God, doing. God, you even guessed the correct location. <laughs> it wasn't hard to guess. Yep. Um, like, it... No, I mean, this, there is a, there's an ecosystem there. Yeah. And, and you can't just, because again, otherwise, uh, it's why right-wing think tanks are so much more um, profitable and profligate than left-wing ones. Uh, it's not because they're doing any better work. It's because there are people looking for white papers on how to exploitize as opposed to make them better off. There's okay. not a lot of money in that. Mm -hmm. So... There's, again, it's, it's it's a whole thing. And it's not that you haven't thought about this. I'm not attempting to take credit away from you. You're just a catastrophic thinker. So That's true. Yeah. That was all I was trying to say with that. <laughs> How do I stop this catastrophic thing? I have no yeah, fucking I idea. I don't, have, a, I don't I, have any stuff. Yeah. <laughs> What's the slightest idea yeah, how yeah. to do that? Oh, boy. Yeah, I don't think that's going to happen. I think, I mean, there is, there is a... Um, a certain detachedness that you can develop right to to more honestly analyze the actual data that's there and and sort of admit to yourself that the catastrophic things that you're thinking are less probable or imminent or or um meaningful mm -hmm. than your brain is telling you they are yeah yeah usually people suggest meditation but I don't really know beyond that <laughs> what the what the path forward is. But yeah. okay, so yeah. so I have experienced that with meditation before. Uh -huh. So and you used the word equanimity earlier too. Yeah. So so maybe there is something there. Maybe I should go back to that and like double my dose of meditation. The other the the answer to my question of to my own question of how to reduce catastrophic thinking we alluded to like fifteen minutes ago, which was like go on a boat or something like that it so works. Like, like yeah yeah and and i'm able to get away from that mode of thinking by like mm. engaging something else i even did it last night rock climbing like mm. that that's another thing and this goes back to earlier we were discussing like uh it's not the case that the only thing to do is derive meaning in life through one's work there's other things to do, mm -hmm. and I got to do more of those things and stop getting in my own way in in the sense of like, oh, I haven't like done great work yet. All right, well, I'm going to, here's, here's, here's my disciplinary action that I'm going to take. Mm. You didn't do enough good work today, so sorry, you can't go rock climbing. Yeah. It's like literally something that I do from time to time. Mm -hmm. And like then I like forego the opportunity to take a break, hate myself as a result a little bit more, mm -hmm. and then just like it's this like cycle of flagellation there. Yeah. I, I gotta I gotta figure out a way to like nip that. Consider also there's like this I don't know, this this thought um that sort of comes with 
the the savior complex right where it's like i have to solve these problems because it's really important right and the there is a necessary follow-up to this which is why are you solving them right like what what is the end state that you would like to reach supposing that this problem were solved how would you live your life today and i think the answer is usually like oh so that the trillions of people yet to come can enjoy their lives you are one of those trillions of people i think that from time to time right yeah, like yeah. you gotta you gotta participate in the thing you are trying to build or it will never be built. That was the rock climbing comment that I made earlier. It's yeah. like, maybe I'm just one of those people for whom now I can just like go and get the van. And I could just do that. Like, uh -huh. like that's that's an, that's kind of an option. Although like market conditions over the last year have kind of foreclosed that option a little bit more. <laughs> all, all things Whoops. in balance, um, my friend. You don't have to, you don't have to make that the only thing you do. Yeah. Right? Like. I guess. Although, in addition to being a catastrophic thinker, I'm kind of an extreme uh -huh. action taker in, uh -huh. in a certain sense. Um, like, gonna go sailing for a month, or you know, doing things like that. You you have and, an enviable degree of focus. What do you mean? That is also what oh, you you do one thing in a way very few people manage to pull off, generally speaking. Like you, you actually managed to commit to a thing, which of course we've talked about, but there's there's a double-edged sword to that. As someone who mm -hmm. is god-awful at committing to one thing, I am envious. Well, I'm also, uh, sometimes I can do it, but a lot of the time, one of the reasons why I am able to commit sometimes like that is because I have, like my ambivalence and my annoyance at my own ambivalence forces me to go and make a decision and like just just go do this thing because you're being very ambivalent and that's annoying um that's what i say that's something like what i say to myself hmm. um that's that's how i achieve it <laughs> not recommended <laughs> yeah i there was a book i sort of alluded to that was written recently by Kieran Satya called, or a guy, sorry, we're using that nomenclature, mm -hmm. uh, called Midlife. And uh, the, the, basic, the basic premise of the book is that um, there, isn't a, there isn't a terribly compelling philosophical salve for the concept of the midlife crisis, or more generally the midlife slump, which is just a period, whether you have a breakdown in the middle of it or not, people who are in you know the age range we're coming into are generally less happy than people on other side of it mm -hmm. um and the only the only obvious salve to this um is a transition from the, this is where i picked up the word that and you decrypted earlier as telic versus atelic activities mm -hmm. is a switch from a goal oriented to a state oriented satisfaction and doing that is sort of the goal of a lifetime because old people get to that point and young people can't do that yet because they need to be like stacking up yep. they, moving they, from they, state to state they've got to be doing something so that they have a foundation to work with yeah and that middle period the transition is arduous yes. but it's critical i because you can't just have goals yeah, yeah. Yep, goals are a midterm strategy. So I was that that's the yep. card that you have. And yeah, that's okay, why I wrote it. that I wrote that card after reading that book. Interesting. It's, yeah, it's the idea that a goal literally can only ever be a midterm strategy. It can't be a long-term strategy. I I have you have put into words something that I I felt the shape of recently. <laughs> Where it's just, well no, you like you look into the future and it's like 
the the open-endedness of life has provided a lot of zest for me thus far but you gotta you know you gotta you gotta fall into some mode eventually uh otherwise you're just flitting from thing to thing forever never in one particular state never fulfilling any goals and you you fail to flourish in every possible way or whatever so, goals you actually fulfill don't they don't actually do the job because yeah. if anything that you're doing with the purpose of ending it yep suddenly stops being very useful to you yeah. when you start to have a finite amount of time to uh-huh. work with like it, it it just it doubles back on itself i don't know how to solve that myself i've been working on that while i've been in a trough the longest one i've had in a long while mm. but just it, trying to figure out what i actually want to do uh going back to the uh you know the idea of what i would do if i you know if i was doing making diagrams and documents for myself you know i would i would have you know david's carnival of random bullshit like i just like i like just <laughs> making random things like, uh-huh. it's fun um and fulfilling more generally but those things change all the time and there's some through lines to them um and i don't know what they are yet because i haven't actually properly examined what those through lines are or mm. if they exist mm-hmm. because if they don't that fucking sucks uh that means i'm going to be searching around for them forever yeah uh, it would be nice to settle on a couple mm. um and pursue those and matt though i would never accuse you of not lapsing in the middle of lashing yourself to the mast <laughs> um you actually do it um and most people don't myself extremely included (laughs) so yeah i mean i i'm perfectly capable of dropping things at the the second they stop working for me Uh uh-huh same yeah and i'm worried that i will do the same with this like for instance i was thinking today like oh i'm I'm gonna continue (laughs) continue with the machine learning course today and it's like oh why bother like i i Try, what are you going to try and squat 400 pounds again today? It's like you <laughs> failed to do that last couple of days. I did get a little bit of progress. I had a little bit of progress on the course yesterday doing some of the very most basic stuff. And I'm like, all right, well, like maybe it's time to back up to that. Instead of like try and squat 400 pounds, like go and do something appropriate for your skill level right now. And take the example from Andy's coworker that like it's okay to like have to start at the beginning even at even at a stage in life where it's like not common to start at that certain skill level it's like listen time to build a foundation even though like many people do this foundation building earlier in life mm-hmm. it's like it's fine just you can stay tied to the mass and like commit to something for a while and like that david you're pointing out like that i have been able to do that kind of thing before but it is like like i i I feel like I need the reminder that I'm capable of that kind of thing. So thanks for that. We're here. Yeah. We can do that. I mean, you and the only thing the other people have is competency. I mean, you have all of the time, money, and energy that you need to turn to convert into competency. Yep. Like you've, you've get, you have every other side of that polygon. Yeah. And yeah. you're capable more so than I think a lot of people of perceiving your weaknesses honestly. Because you're not coming into this with a chip on your shoulder. And that's a problem that we need to fix. <laughs> You'll, yeah, the chips the chips are earned. They, they come with time. Uh, well, thanks. Thanks, guys.
Uh, anything, just cross the two hour mark, anything we want to talk about AI? I feel like we covered most of the little nooks and crannies of it. Didn't talk about consciousness as much as I expected to, but that was about it. Um, yeah, I hope that during this during this whole process, I do not find my position uh, like like that of that one Google engineer that thought Lambda had become conscious. That was, that was such a great news cycle. I love that. <laughs> you see, they had a picture of that guy floating around. I did not see. That's uh, great. It might be. We'll make it the art for the. <laughs> for the podcast it's so good <laughs> oh boy okay it's not surprising at all looking at the man that, that this the incident occurred <laughs> oh no okay uh, it could be worse you could be working at google <laughs> on one of their many many projects oh, actually no i take that back you could be a subcontractor for google you could you could have google as your partner that that's the way it could be worse. Poor Stadia. <laughs> Truly, Big Brother is watching them. It, it's oh, no. the Stadia closure was good for consumers and uh, nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> Did that finally happen? Like just now, it, it happened like a month ago. Okay, and they did. I mean, they did an incredible make good. Um, they they refunded. Um, they refunded all games purchased on the service. Wow. And I believe subscription fees to some limited extent, like an incredible rollback, wow. dang, and okay. just fucking shit canned every developer that was working for them. <laughs> Contractors, right? Uh, well, yeah, because they yeah. were video game studios that were partnering with okay. Google okay. to make Stadia the success that it was, uh, <laughs> the and they uh, great success that yeah. it was. <laughs> that fucking company. Oh my god. <sighs> you tried. <laughs> They're probably a great place to work. I don't fucking know. Uh, <laughs> I wouldn't want to work for them. Oh, that's true. Roscoe worked for them. I wonder if you'd probably know. Speaking of people who would flit into that category. Something got delivered to my house. I'm going to figure out what that is. Yeah. All right. Well, that was fun. Thanks, guys. Good job. Thanks a lot. Good podcast. <laughs>